Krishna, I should say. Go back to Children's Church. Give an opportunity. Hello. Yes, good to see you there, buddy. All right, and we're going to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, as they're dismissed. All right. It's like a mass exodus, and we're just left with you. So that's good. Amen. That wasn't a disappointing statement, you know, at all. Matthew chapter 5. In, uh, during the 1978 fireman's strike in England, the British Army took over emergency firefighting. And on January 14th, they're called out by an elderly lady in South London to rescue and retrieve her cat. They arrived uh, in good time. They very carefully rescued the cat. And they started to get in their truck to drive away. And she says, oh, no, no, she was so grateful. She invited him in for tea. And so they stayed for a while and had a nice time together and had some tea with her. And during uh, driving off a little later with fond farewells and a waving of arms, they ran over the cat. And the cat went where cats go. That has nothing to do with the message. I just I thought it was a heartwarming story, and I thought I'd share it with you, okay? And if you have meekness, you'll accept it in the same spirit it was given. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. The Bible says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Abraham Lincoln said, Nearly all men can stand adversity. But if you really want to test a man's character, give him power. And in that character of someone with power, you will find either a tyrant or you'll find someone that has meekness. Uh, if you asked your friends and family or maybe even thought about it yourself to make a list of the most admirable traits that you could uh, get in your life or that you could achieve, probably you wouldn't say the word meek on that list when you were a kid. Uh, and you gathered around, and what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? How many, uh, as a little child, said, when I grow up, I want to be meek? Probably not. Very few fathers uh, spend a lot of time uh, telling their children, I want you, especially their young sons, I want you to learn to be more meek. Parents tell their children to be hardworking, honest, stand up for themselves, be successful. Meekness usually isn't that much discussed. As we've already seen, the Beatitudes are progressive. Uh, not only does one lead to the next, but they also become progressively more difficult. We've already seen the first two. The first was, blessed are those that are poor in spirit. And being poor in spirit, we learned, is the recognition of our own spiritual bankruptcy. It's an honest look at ourselves and who and what we are. And then that leads into the second one, blessed are those that mourn, because if you do really understand your condition, then that's going to lead to some mourning and some repentance in your life. Uh, this godly sorrow then leads to repentance and a changed life. But the third beatitude is more difficult than the first two. It involves the issue of our relationship with others and having self-control in our life. Meekness is a byproduct of being poor in spirit and then mourning over that condition that we see in ourselves. If we do those two things, 
it will lead as it should to the very next step, which is meekness, which is not easy. And so I want to look at that today. The Bible says again, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I want to talk about that today. Blessed are the meek. Father, I pray you'd help us as we talk about this subject. We, we've talked about it before and we will again because it's such a needed uh, a trait in our life. I just pray that you challenge us today in Jesus' name. Amen. What does Jesus mean by this word meek? How do we become meek? Here's a good question. How do I know if I am meek? Well, we're going to look at those things today and hopefully maybe uh, try to uh, identify this a little bit. Uh, let's look first at meekness defined. Again, the word blessed, may I remind you, is happy. Happy are those that are meek. Uh, the happiness uh, is found in meekness, the verse says. So when we think of a meek person, we don't so often picture in our minds a muscle man, like you have standing before you today, but more like a, a weak and gaunt man, like the one sitting on the front row over here. Both of them, I think, would qualify for that. Uh, but let's define what meekness is not. Meekness is not uh, either one of those things, uh, uh, weakness and... and uh, in fact, a Christian, uh, curiosity, I went into uh, this week and looked up the, the uh, thesaurus. Uh, actually, used to be you'd take that big thing off the shelf now I logged into it, so uh, that's a lot easier, isn't it? But I put in the word meek into the thesaurus, and this is some of the synonyms that popped up. Docile, milk toast, passive, timid, spineless, weak need, wishy-washy. Those are the, and, and by the way, they're absolutely wrong when it comes to the biblical idea of meekness. Meekness is not weakness. It is not cowardice. It is not a wishy-washy lack of conviction. It is not being a sissy. As a matter of fact, the word has the opposite meaning. Meekness is not vindictive. It does not retaliate. It is not selfish. It does not demand its rights. Meekness does not exalt itself. It is not cruel and vindictive and unkind. Meekness is not being a hen-pecked husband, and it is not being a brow-beaten wife. That is not what meekness is. Meekness is not being a yes man on the job. Meekness is not a passive acceptance of all kinds of wickedness around you. That's not what meekness is. So what is it? What is meekness? It's really, it's kind of difficult to define the word. And if you look up, especially in, in uh, Christian writings, the definition of meekness, there's so many different uh, uh, de definitions given. One of my favorites is power under control. There's many other ways to look at meekness, kind of a rainbow with many colors, if you will. But meekness comes from a Greek word, a prous, and it means originally not impressed by a sense of one's self-importance or humble. Meekness is not only the opposite of pride, but it is the opposite of stubbornness and vengefulness. It's the opposite of a self-will toward God and an ill will toward our fellow man. The meek person will not expect to always be treated with respect and reverence. He will lovingly do his duty and that God has set him to do, and he will not seek honor or recognition from men. Meekness is patience when others harm us. It is a belief that God will vindicate us. It totally believes what Romans 12, 19 says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, 
I will repay. That's the idea of meekness in our life that I don't have to get even. He will. He'll take care of, he'll settle the accounts. This kind of attitude then produces peace and it proves the true greatness of a soul. Now, we may acknowledge our own bankruptcy, that's poor in spirit. We may mourn over that bankruptcy, those are blessed are those that mourn. But to respond with meekness, now get this, to respond with meekness when others tell us of our spiritual bankruptcy, that's a whole nother animal, isn't it? It's one thing to recognize uh, my own failings, but if somebody else points out my failings to me, we get a little defensive. We get ready to fight. We respond typically with uh, self-defense and, and uh, fight back on those things. Jesus, though, never did that. He never defended himself when he was falsely accused, when he was abused, when he was slandered, when he was mocked. His meekness is seen in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Meekness is closely linked to the word humility. It is the gentleness of strength. It is not an indication of weakness. Again, I say, and I'll say it over and over, meekness is not an indication of weakness. I'll make this statement. I actually had it written down for later, but I'll make it now too. If you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. And you'll find out it's not an easy thing. It is not weakness. It is actually strength. Now, the Greek word for meek was also used in many writings to describe an animal which has been domesticated, like, say, like a wild stallion or something like that. Uh, it has been trained to obey the words of a command or to, to uh, respond to the reins. It is a word for an animal that has learned to accept control. As a teenager, I worked with horses a lot, and uh, we boarded horses, and one of the agreements was that we would be able, that we would exercise them and ride them, which was just fine with me, because I was able to work with horses we would have never been able to afford. I had an Arabian and, and uh, different horses that came through, and it was just uh, a great time. Uh, one thing about horses that are just learning to be ridden, or that we just start working with, I found they don't like the bit one bit. Have you ever put a bit in a horse, and they don't, and, and especially when they're just getting trained and started? I mean, you got to wrestle with them, and they're of course taller than than uh, I was, and I throw their head up. They don't like to get that bit in their mouth. And it's interesting to me if you've ever seen the bone structure of a horse, uh, they God designed them for the bit. There's a whole big empty pocket in their mouth that's there, really, for the bit. And uh, so you have to get it just right and. And uh, once they learn, it, it goes, uh, it kind of, it, it sits, it, it's not supposed to pull on them, but it should sit comfortably there, and then they respond to that bit. Uh, they'll fight against it at first, but eventually they'll learn to accept it. And you know what I, uh, my goal was as I kept working with the horses, that soon I could take the bit out and just use a halter with uh, 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 the reins tied to the halter, and they'd respond just the same way, with the pressure of the knees and the, and the rein on the neck of the horse, and I could get them to obey, and that's the picture of meekness. They're more powerful than I am, but they're surrendering their power to a master. That's the idea of meekness. Likewise, the meek man has self-control. He has his passions and his anger under control. 
He knows when it's proper to be angry. There are times we ought to be angry over injustice and when people hurt the ones that we love, uh, but not when, also we ought to know when not to be angry. There was a couple of times Jesus was angry. And you know why he was angry? The, the Bible gives two instances in the, Bible, in the New Testament. He got angry when his father was offended. He never was angry on his own behalf. He was angry on the behalf of someone else. The problem is with our anger, we get angry when we're offended. We get angry when somebody says something to me, and that's improper. Uh, ruling your spirit is meekness. It takes great strength to have self-control and self-discipline. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 23, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. That's, if you stop and think about those words, that's a giant, enormous claim to make. Someone who's able to rule their own spirit better than a Patton, better than a MacArthur, better than a great general who can win wars. That's a tremendous statement to make. Because no man can lead others until he has mastered himself. No man can serve others until he has subjected himself. And no man can control others until he can control himself. One who gives himself complete control of God, uh, or gives himself to the complete control of God, gains meekness. And the Bible says this in, enables you to inherit the earth. Meekness is hard to learn. It is a hard lesson, but it is an important lesson for every one of us to grasp. And again, I say, if you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. And you'll find it is not the easiest thing to do. Let's look at some examples of meekness in the Bible. All throughout uh, the Bible, it gives us examples of people who demonstrated meekness. Their lives are an example to us. Uh, we see in Genesis chapter 13, we'll be at several passages, I'll read them. If you'd like to turn, you could. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, we find uh, Moses... I'm sorry, Abraham, and we, we find meekness demonstrated in a conflict over possessions. In Genesis 13, 7, the Bible says there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before us? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So Abram, in his humility, yielded to Lot's uh, request. or He gave, left the choice up to Lot. He did not have to do this because he was the leader of the family. In, in his meekness, though, sought to protect the peace and unity of their family. He illustrated what Romans chapter 12, 10 says, be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. I was, uh, we, we have eight children, and there was a time when we had all those children at home. Now, they're not all at home anymore, uh, but they, when we had them all at home, uh, and maybe you've had uh, number of children at home at the same time. Think about this phrase right here. What if every one of those children in honor preferred one another? No, no, you first. I, I'm not, they didn't. Okay, don't get me wrong. Uh, this, is, this is just a pipe dream, all right? That's what the Bible says here. In honor preferring one another. Wouldn't that improve your home? Wouldn't that improve our church? Uh, that's what the Bible says. And this is what Abram did. He said, you know what? I have the right to demand the better, well-watered plains, but I'm going to let Lot choose. And, of course, Lot was not thinking 
uh, magnanimously. He was thinking selfishly, and so he chose the wrong. But greed destroys meekness, and meekness destroys greed. There's another example in the Bible uh, when authority was challenged. We find that in Numbers chapter 12, and uh, this was when Mo- uh, Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, challenged his authority. And this is what they said in verse 2. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. Moses was challenged about his calling by Aaron and Miriam, his older brother and sister. Rather than crushing them like he could have, rather than wiping them out, uh, he reacted in humility, and that's why the Bible calls him meek. He did, he did something that's not easy for us to do. He steps back and he says, okay, I have been attacked, but I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm going to let the Lord take care of this matter. And God did take care of it. He struck Miriam with leprosy. That's taking care of it, I think. Can I tell you today, friend, that God's able to take care of those that attack you better than you are? Oh, much better. Moses, and then we see further meekness in Moses when he begged God to forgive Miriam and to heal her. And then the third one we find in 2 Samuel chapter 16, David was fleeing Jerusalem during Absalom's attempted coup of the throne. And, and uh, when he's leaving Jerusalem, we find what I think is one of the funniest stories in the Old Testament, when I read this, was I because I try to visualize it and picture it. While he's going out of Jerusalem, he's got all of his secret service around them. And David's secret service, they were some men. The Bible talks about the, one of them killed a thousand people over a patch of beans. Uh, one of them stood and uh, fought, uh, several of them stood and, and fought battles alone. They were tremendous, mighty men. These are the guys around David. And out from the village comes this man named Shimei, and Shimei's upset. He's very upset at David, so he starts yelling at David and cursing at him. And not only that, he starts throwing rocks and kicking dust at him. This is David surrounded by his mighty men. This is not something you do when a guy is surrounded by assassins who could wipe you out. But that's what Shimei's doing. And I like what happened. One of the, one of the men around David uh, asked for the permission very casually, very casually. David, can I go over and take off his head? It was just it, no. It wasn't wasn't theoretical. He would. I I I, I was reading that this week. And I was thinking, I want a couple of guys like that around me. Wouldn't that be nice? They'd be around you, and somebody offends you, or gets mad. Shall I go take off his head? Yeah, go take off his head. That's what David had. But listen to what David says. He said, No, let him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. That's meekness. When somebody is attacking you and cursing you and yelling at you and saying all sorts, by the way, he was saying much untrue things about David. David could have crushed him in a moment, but he said, no, let him alone. Let God take care of him. That's meekness. He gave a wonderful display. He surrendered his reputation to God. Listen, friends, it's not your job and my job to protect our reputation. Of course, we ought to have a good testimony. But sometimes people will read negative things into our motives, and it'll hurt our reputation. Let God protect your reputation. You just focus on doing right. 
And it is difficult, it's very difficult to respond this way when we are maligned and attacked. It's very difficult. And yet God wants us to trust him. We need to do that. And then the fourth one, meekness, of course, more than anywhere was demonstrated at Calvary. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, For even here unto ye were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Jesus lay himself down as a sacrifice for us. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. Yet he did not retaliate when he was insulted and falsely accused by those around him. Uh, when he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left his case in the hands of God that the Bible says judgeth righteously. He faced the cross, mocking, slander, beatings, humiliation, torture, and he was totally yielded. He is a perfect example of meekness. He died and he did so for you and he did so for me. That because of our sin, that we are, uh, we are hell bound because of the sinful condition we're born in. He made a way of escape and he did it through his meekness. He was like a lamb when he was led to the slaughter, but he was like a lion when it came to ruling his own passions and his own spirit. Jesus had all power to wipe out his enemies. Don't make any mistake. He, he said, in fact, he said another place, I, no man takes my life from me but I lay it down. Nobody could take the creator of the world's life from him. In fact, he told, uh, he, he told this to Peter when Peter tried to stop his arrest. He said in Matthew 26, 53, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? A legion was 6,000 foot soldiers and 600 horsemen. That's 80,000 angels. That's 80,000 angels that are standing at the cusp of heaven just waiting for the command. They're just waiting. Just waiting for the word. And if Jesus says the word, they're down there to wipe them all out. That's the power Jesus had. And yet he chose not to use it. He chose to lay down and yield his life so that he could give it as a ransom for you and me. That's meekness. When you don't insist on your own rights, that's meekness. When you do not demand that people treat you a certain way, that's meekness. When you have the power and you choose not to use that power, that's meekness. The best basketball player in the world that, that has ever been is Michael Jordan. I'm not going to argue that. I know people have different opinions. They're wrong. Michael Jordan, I believe, was, one of the, was, was the best basketball player ever. They were, there was a game in which they were down by 20 points. And the clock was running out. And Michael Jordan went into overdrive. He fought for every rebound. He was a scoring machine. Uh, he was aggressive, ruthless. He, uh, he, he never, I, I don't know if you remember seeing him in action, but it was just pure talent and determination. He was, he was like a basketball superhero playing with mere mortals. Uh, like everyone else was just an amateur. And uh, he, to say he overpowered was, was an understatement. And they won that game. The next week, though, everything was different. Nothing happened during this week. He was not injured. He did not get sick. But this day, 
he, he didn't, didn't display the same things he had in the previous game. He had the ball stolen many times from him through this game. He turned the ball over. He was blocked from collecting rebounds. He couldn't make a basket to save his life because of the aggressive defensive tactics of the other team. What made the difference? He was playing the same game, had the same ability, but on this day he was playing against, it was a benefit game against disabled students. And he let them steal the ball, and he let them win the game, and he let them uh, do all these things, and, and he let them beat him, and of course everybody had a wonderful time. He had all the power of the previous game. Man, disabled kids could have been flying every direction if he'd have wanted to but he kept it under control. That's meekness. That's a picture of meekness. When you have the power to destroy, when you have the power to hurt with your words, when you have the power to take someone down and they might desperately need it, but you don't, that's meekness. It's obvious, though, the world is not going to honor meekness. Call someone in the world meek today and they're going to consider that an insult. The world thrives on retaliation, insisting on its rights. Uh, they don't hesitate to put their self above others and put others down. The biblical idea of meekness does not appeal to a worldly thinking at all. The world considers meekness a weakness, not a strength. You just heard all the synonyms I read off. That's how they see meekness, not the Bible picture of meekness. And so it's hard to understand, how do the meek inherit the earth? Men believe in physical strength, in armies, in power, and perseverance. We believe in influence in our fellow man by threats and pain and fear and force. Yet Jesus said the meek will inherit the earth. Now, in Jesus' time, a meek Messiah was not what people wanted, nor what they expected. All the Jews were hoping for deliverance from Roman oppression. Many were expecting this deliverance to come through the promised Messiah. And so the Pharisees assumed that he would come and miraculously throw off the yoke of Roman oppression. Uh, the more liberal Sadducees were hoping for change through political compromise. They were looking for a materialistic Messiah because they loved money and were very materialistic. The Zealots wanted a military Messiah, one who would raise an army and conquer Rome. But however people expected him to come, they did not expect this guy who said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. They didn't want somebody humble and meek. Today, like them, uh, we still fail to see and understand the power of meekness. This is why we don't come by it naturally. We have to pursue meekness in order to have it. Zephaniah 2.3, Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness. Seek meekness. It's not something that's going to fall in our lap. It's something we're going to develop in our life. But meekness will give you a tremendous power to impact others. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, uh, because lest thou also be tempted. This is so important here. Because if we come to a wayward or backslidden brother in Christ or sister in Christ, and we come to them with pride and arrogance, they will react to our interference with indifference or rejection. 
On the other hand, if we come with an attitude of meekness and compassion and we demonstrate our love for them, we have a much greater chance to help them. The Bible says we are to restore them. The word restore here comes from a Greek word. It's a medical term that is used for setting a fractured bone. And the idea here is that what is wrong in the life of a fallen Christian or a wayward Christian is that something needs to be set straight. They need to get back in line where they ought to be. And meekness is absolutely critical here. It helps us to be patient and long-suffering. Why? Think about the situation if somebody is having trouble or somebody is uh, dabbling in sin and having some issues in their Christian life and you as a, a brother or sister in Christ see this. Why is meekness so important? Because remember the first beatitude. You are poor in spirit. You recognize your condition. You recognize your own bankruptcy. And because of that second beatitude, blessed are those that mourn, you have mourned your condition. You have come to the point you realize, I am nobody special. I am a sinner. I need God. I mourn and repent from what I am. And now that leads you into the third beatitude, blessed are the meek. Because of your condition, because of you recognizing your condition, now you are meek. You realize, hey, I'm no better than anyone else. I'm not better than him. I'm not better than her. I'm a sinner. And that's exactly the type of person to help someone else. As soon as somebody lifts themselves up and looks down their nose at somebody else's failings, meekness is gone. We need to have meekness. And that's why it says that restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. And meekness only comes after the first two beatitudes are recognized in our life. And so once we see that and we recognize what we are and what we aren't, now we're able to help somebody and restore them back to where they need to be. Now that you're meek, uh, hopefully we get to that point, we recognize we are able to help so much better than anyone else. Our daily walk should be characterized by meekness. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Paul is saying that we ought to live the sort of life that matches our Christian vocation. Uh, the word worthy it comes from a Greek word, axios. It literally means bringing up the other beam of the scales. He's talking about equivalence here or balance. There ought to be a balance between the profession of our Christian life, but not only the profession, the practice of our Christian life as well. We ought to be what we say we are. If we say we're a Christian, we ought to live like a Christian. We talked about this last week. Uh, we ought to have that uh, testimony for Christ. Too many Christians today, they're fake as a football bat, and they don't live what they say that they are, and it makes no sense uh, even claiming to be a Christian. This goes all the way back to the three Beatitudes that we're looking at, uh, that we've already looked at here, because when meekness is lacking, then problems begin to develop among God's people. A horse can't pull while kicking, this fact we merely mention, and he can't kick while pulling, which is our chief contention. So let's imitate that good old horse and lead a life that's fitting. Let's just pull an honest load and then there'll be no time for kicking. We ought to just be meek, recognizing who and what we are, and living accordingly. Meekness is to lead our lives. 
uh, 1 Timothy 6, 11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. If you follow something, you set your sights on it. You watch. Have you ever followed a vehicle in a train? Hate that. I don't know if you do, but I don't like being the second vehicle in the train because traffic lights always turn red right after they go through it. And I still have, I'm coming up on it. Now I'm stuck here and the lead vehicle's way ahead. And uh, so it's no fun watching a vehicle. But you know what you do when you're following somebody? You're watching them. And once they pull out, now you're looking for them and you, you try to catch up to them and you try to get as close as you can to them because they're your ticket to getting where you want to be. You don't know where you're going, so you're following this vehicle and you make sure you keep it in sight. Every All your focus and all your attention is what you're following. And God says here in the Bible, follow meekness. It ought to lead you. We ought to be desperate for it in our lives. So let's look at the benefits of meekness then. Uh, what are the rewards of meekness? The Bible provides some wonderful answers for us to think about here. Well, the first thing it says is we get a share of the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. This is, again, shocking to those that were listening to it. But the meek will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ during the millennial reign of Christ. They'll enjoy his kingdom. Again, the word they here, autoi, we've looked at that with the previous two. It means only they. Nobody else means they alone. It is the meek who will inherit the earth. What a shock this must have been to those listening to Jesus. And then what a shock it is to us today. The meek going to inherit the earth makes no sense to us, humanly speaking. And yet that's what Jesus Christ promises. And then he says, uh, it also by the way, Psalm 37, 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth as well. And then satisfaction. We are promised satisfaction through meekness. Alexander the Great was not satisfied, uh, even when he completely subdued the nations. He wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. He died at an early age in debauchery. Hannibal, he filled three bushels with the rings of the knights that he had murdered and killed. And he committed suicide later by swallowing poison. Julius Caesar conquered 800 cities only to be stabbed by his closest friends. Napoleon, after being the scourge of Europe, spent his final days in banishment. All of these men were on a quest for power. They mistakenly believed that it would bring them satisfaction. They were wrong. True satisfaction is not found in power, in popularity, or in prestige. It's found in blessings of our Lord. And the meek are rewarded, the Bible says, with satisfaction from the Lord. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six: The meek shall eat and be satisfied. Hallelujah. What about direction in life? Direction in life. A fellow pulled over to ask an older woman on the side of the road how far it was to a certain town he was trying to find. And the lady told him, well, son, if you keep going the way that you're going, it's 25,000 miles. But if you turn around, it's about three miles. Sometimes that's what we need in our Christian life. We need to just turn around the direction that we're going. Did you know, uh, the, I, I noticed this recently, the word live. You know what you get when you turn it around? You get evil. And if you turn evil around, you get live. Sometimes our uh, problem in our life is we're living our life backward. And we're not getting the results we want because we're not doing what we ought to do. So we get direction. 
uh, Psalm 25, 9, the meek shall he guide in judgment. The meek shall he teach his way. We get direction from the Lord. We also get support. Psalm 147, 6, the Lord lifteth up the meat. He casteth down the wicked to the ground. The word lifted up here comes from the Hebrew word ud. It, it talks about relieving, restoring, supporting. God supports the meek day by day. And then salvation. We obviously cannot get salvation without recognizing our own need. We can't get salvation without uh, understanding our condition. The first and second uh, beatitudes are important for salvation. And so, for the Lord taketh pleasure in His people, Psalm 149.4, uh, He will beautify the meek with salvation. Meekness is needed if we're going to be saved. We have to acknowledge that we are sinners and there's nothing we can do for ourselves. That's meekness and then accept Christ's work on our behalf. And then finally, praise of God. 1 Peter 3, 4, But let it be hidden in the hidden heart of man, even in the ornament of the meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God is pleased by your meek spirit. He is pleased and uplifted and glorified when we show meekness. And glorifying God is our sole purpose in life. I want to show you one more thing. If you'll turn to John chapter 13 in closing here. John chapter 13. We have a fabulous picture here of meekness in Jesus' life. In John chapter 13 and verse number 3, the Bible says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He was come from God, and went to God. Now, I just want to stop there before I show you what happened next. Jesus was fully conscious of who He was at this, at this point. He knew that He had lordship over the whole universe. He, The shining seraphim, the angels, the archangels, they all bowed before Him. He, he knew His place was the very throne of God sitting at God's right hand. He knew He had all authority. Now, let me ask you, what would you do with that knowledge? There'd be a few people I'd visit, right? Amen. Be some changes I'd make. I mean, He knew all this. And it's important that we understand this, uh, what happens in the Bible next, because he, that we realize He knew this. What did He do next? Verse number 4 he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and he took a towel, the Bible says, and he girded himself. He took this towel and put some water in a basin, and then he washed the disciples' feet. I'm married next year, 30 years. My wife has never given me a foot rub. Isn't that terrible? She doesn't like feet. I know. Oh, give me an awe. Because she doesn't like feet. She thinks feet are disgusting. I don't know why. Uh, I don't think my feet are disgusting, but you know. Um, but most of us would agree, that's not our favorite appendage of other people. The feet. When we shake hands, we don't shake feet, right? Nobody wants to touch feet. That's why I hate, I, I hate this... Uh, fad of guys going out in sandals. Man, wear a pair of shoes. It's Ladies can get away with it because you have pretty feet. Men don't have pretty feet. They're gnarly and they're disgusting. And the last thing I want to see when I'm digging into a nice steak and a baked potato at a restaurant is some guy's feet walking by. Anyway, I don't know how he got off on this. He took a towel. 
He took a towel, knowing who he was, the splendor and the majesty of his personhood. And instead of it blowing him up, it took him down to his knees where he washed the feet of the disciples. That's incredible to me. That's meekness. Because meekness, it, it, our normal habit is to go around and build ourselves up. And we, we put it on, on uh, social media posts. We throw pictures of, of vacations that are miserable, but we don't put that on, on social media. We are having a wonderful time. And we build ourselves up. Yeah, you know how many times I've seen, and you have too, marriages that end in divorce that up to the day before their social media posts looked like they were just in pure bliss. We present ourselves different. We try to build ourselves up. That's our natural way of living. And yet the Bible says here that Jesus, knowing he had all power in the universe, instead of it puffing him up, it took him down to his knees and he served his disciples. That's meekness. Now I'm asking you today, do you have meekness? Are you a meek person? Now, uh, I asked in the beginning, how do I know if I'm meek? Well, uh, here's, is, it kind of goes along with being a servant. How do you know you're a, a servant? How do you act when you're treated like a servant? That'll tell you if you're a good servant or not. And how do we act if we're treated as meek? Because I believe in our life, God gives us a towel. And we have this towel, and we can... Uh, we can, we're, we're to serve others with it. And at the end of our life, he doesn't, he's not so concerned with who has the cleanest towel. He's more concerned with what we did with that towel and what we served others with and how we were able to minister to others. We're to serve him with it. And uh, the problem is that a lot of us in our Christian life, we're throwing this thing away. I don't want to wash somebody's feet. Do you know who I am? Do you know the education that I have? Do you know what I have accomplished? Jesus knew who he was, and he took that knowledge to wash somebody's feet. None of us have risen to Jesus' level, so I think we all can descend to his level of washing somebody else's feet. Amen. Let's just be meek. Let's not be puffed up. Let's not be proud. Let's not use our accomplishments to build ourselves up and crush others down. Let's be meek. Let's keep the power that we have to hurt others and to cause harm. Let's keep that under control and instead help others and lift others up and encourage them and restore those that need to be restored and set them on the right path. Uh, setting straight their life like uh, setting a bone, a medical term the Bible uses. Let's help that and we do it by being meek. Blessed are those that are meek. Let's have a, every head closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you would. I'd like for you to examine your heart today and just ask yourself that question, am I meek? You can answer that by the actions that rule your life. How do you respond when somebody hurts you? How do you respond when somebody uh, maligns you or or uh, does something to hurt your family, or how do you respond? And then compare that with Jesus' response. He was meek. Are you? I think every single one of us could use an injection of meekness into our spiritual life today. As she begins to play, stand along with me. Just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed.